Hey everyone, and welcome to Resetting the Table, expanding imagination around race, place, and faith for our collective liberation. I'm Maria Mulder. And I'm Celine Chuang. We host this podcast from traditional, ancestral, unceded, Musqueam, Squamish, and Slow-Tooth territory, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. Acknowledging the land is one way we want to commit to decolonization and begin each episode in a good way, expressing solidarity with the Indigenous struggle for rights, reparations, and sovereignty. And I'm Trixie Ling. Today we're talking about music. What and who are we listening to in everyday life as well as the sacred and church context? How does music connect with voice, representation, and power? These are big questions and we're not experts, but we just love music and we want to be thoughtful listeners. We hope you enjoy our conversations. So let's get into it. Music! <laughs> I feel like we should actually be playing some music right now. I know. So Maria, what are you listening to these days? Oh man, what am I listening to? <laughs> what am I listening to? I've been listening a lot to Joy Oladikin, mm. who is a newer artist. She's black and queer, and I think based somewhere in the States. And she's got some, like, major beef with the church, and I'm here for it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and besides that, I've also been listening to a lot of Leon Bridges and Pink Sweats. So, Pink Sweats? Yeah. Who are Pink Sweats? Pink Sweats, he's an artist. He does a lot of, like, acoustic R&B vibes. Mm-hmm. The only reason why I know who he is is because I was looking up Joy Oladikin's concert schedule and she's opening for him in Vancouver in November and I was like who is this person and so I looked him up and he's nice chill vibes <laughs> I love it yeah. I, I I hear you I've been listening to a whole lot of R&B um, and jazz lately um, nice. both contemporary and some old school Louis Armstrong Ella mm. Fitzgerald Billie Holiday Nina Simone so good oh, it's so good I mean, it's amazing to see how those music influenced the kind of more current modern day jazz I'm listening to, like Leon Bridges and mm -hmm. Alicia Keys, mm -hmm. you know, and some Mary J. Blige. It's, it's, it's powerful um, as I'm learning more about hip hop and how just like the power of lyrics and storytelling yep. that comes through these artists. You, Celine, who are you listening to? Yeah. What am I listening to? I'm listening to, I found this new artist called, well, new to me, this artist called Aruj Aftab, um, who sings sometimes in Urdu, which is really cool. And Ravina is one of my favorite, like, on constant circulation, just to find, like, very calming, like, healing music. Yeah, some hip-hop, too, because I'm actually watching Hip Hop Evolution right now, like, on the show on Netflix, because I've always wanted to learn more about the history of hip-hop, um, and it's fascinating. And so then I'm, like, re-listening to some of kind of like these le hip hop legends that I've already liked, like Public mm -hmm. Enemy, um, but with the new understanding of where the context of where mm -hmm. that music was mm -hmm. coming from. Mm -hmm. And then I've also just to throw, you know, my token, token white man in there. I'm um, also <laughs> listening to a lot of Bruce Coburn, who I love. <laughs> yeah, who is uh, actually like maybe one of my favorite artists in that. Like, I think he's really a poet and a musician. And I think his mm. lyrics, especially kind of his more like mis mystic and political lyrics, I find just really beautiful and moving. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been listening to. 
yeah, it's a fun it's a fun time now. I feel like there's a lot more out there now that you can find where you can like listen to artists that like artists of color have maybe there's still systemic barriers, but there's just more proliferation. Like you mm-hmm. can't get rid of people. So it's like mm-hmm. they're just like there's a surge happening maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just as you say that, I think I'm also paying more attention to like who I'm listening to and just particularly like I'm much more aware when I look at even my music playlists, like who are artists of color and um and and even looking at my playlist right now, I it's it it's you know, I, I didn't meant it that way in some way, but I look at it and I'm like, wow, it's really amazing. There's like hardly any white folks yeah. on this <laughs> on this music playlist and, and that's why I feel like you know, that for me is as my my own continual growth into like learning and you know dismantling white supremacy and oppression is actually li- listening to some of these powerful lyrics and musicians who you know really sing from their lived experience and mm-hmm. s- about their life and their stories um what they're fighting for who they're fighting for um and so yeah it's it, it also cuts across all genre too hip-hop is a big one but also i listen to lots of folk and indie i love singer songwriters and that's something i'm trying to also pay more attention to um the intersection with poets and just how the lyrics trying to pay more attention to the lyrics i think Mm -hmm. that's what i'm trying to do now with my playlist Mm -hmm. yeah i'm very much doing the same like i'm definitely in a season in my life right now where i can't really listen to white artists i just (laughs) yeah so i just don't have the patience for it i'm needing something different that like white folks just can't haven't found anything that has been like satisfying and edifying and life-giving so it's really, really wonderful that kind of the, the music scene has expanded where there are so many amazing BIPOC and queer mm-hmm. artists and like who they are as people really, really soaks. It like seeps into the stuff that they create. And I think that's true for any sort of content creation, but it's really great to be able to like hear the voice of a BIPOC queer artist say stuff and sing stuff that you have felt like in your own being and to hear it articulated by someone else mm-hmm. yep yep I wonder if like do you remember when the first time because I grew up listening to like pretty much only white artists like, <laughs> other than like when I started getting into jazz like mm-hmm. the classics obviously like th- that wasn't the case because mm-hmm. so many of the greats are from the African-American and black tradition um mm-hmm. which is like which makes sense because also jazz came from like a resistance uh, lineage but, like, in general, I was very much into, like, indie music, and that was, like, very white scene. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And didn't really question that. Just, like, with, like, literature. We were talking before this about, like, it's a similar process to kind of look again at, like, the canon, what is considered canon or what is considered, like, classics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then to actually revise that actively and to be like, okay, I'm going to be intentional about seeking out different things. Because you could definitely still, I mean, it's harder now, but I think you could definitely still just like unquestioningly consume, like engage with like mostly white artists and not think about mm-hmm. it, right? Totally. Especially in like more mainstream maybe or like, or no, even in like indie music or anything like that. But, yep. but where I was going with this is that I wonder if you can remember if there was a moment, if have there been moments of like recognition? So when you see, when you listen to a song for the first time, you see a music video or like you see an artist that looks like you or, or just like music that doesn't center on whiteness as a default Mm -hmm. um yeah do you remember like that 
maybe the first or like a time that that happened? I totally do. (laughs) So for those of you who know me and for those of you who don't, like my, my history of life, like I basically went to camp at age 13 or 14 and I came back a fundamentalist Christian. And it I was, was like an evangelical camp, right? Yeah. It was like Southern Baptist, super concerned. It was just, it was a thing. <laughs> but I basically came back from camp and I like started wearing long skirts and I grew out my hair and I stopped listening to music because music was a worldly thing that was like of the devil and needed to be avoided at all costs. So for like my, my main teenage years, I didn't listen to anything except for classical music And then when I was in grade 11, a youth leader, I was really, really ill. I was in the hospital for a couple weeks and a youth leader was like, I'm just going to make you a playlist. (laughs) And I was like, no, Kanye West. I can't listen to Kanye West. You need to like (laughs) be gentle with me, basically. Um, And so she burned a CD for me and it totally blew my mind open. I was like my world just expanded. It had classic white artists like Bonnie Bear, et cetera, et cetera, you know, singer, songwriter, indie stuff. But then it also had Beyonce and it had Shad, who's um, like an amazing Canadian rapper, hip hop artist. Yeah. And so I like, I remember the moment where I was like, oh my goodness, there's so much music out there. And so much of it is so good. And like, how have I not been listening to any of this? Yeah. So when I was 16, I like became obsessed with Beyonce. <laughs> I am still obsessed with Beyonce. <laughs> as we all do. Yeah. As we all are. We yeah. Be. Yes. Yeah. But then like most of the music that I was listening to as a teenager, like most of them were black artists. Beyonce, Janelle mm-hmm. Monae, Frank Ocean was like my coming out anthem. So many of our. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and still powerful. love them to this day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, I can't remember where I heard this before. I don't know if it was in relation to maybe like theology or like, yeah, a type of kind of shallow, um, trite, very individual theology as compared to like kind of the more robust, like, yeah, liberation based theology, like, but the difference between like junk food and like, a feast of like <laughs> delicious nourishing food maybe it was on reclaiming my theology that they talked about this i don't know but i feel like that's with music too like when mm-hmm. you have that first taste of like this is the real shit yeah <laughs> you're like what, what, so what am i good. doing yeah, yeah i've been starved <laughs> need some good music nutrition yeah i i mean i i see you were talking because i was trying to go back about like and because you went back in your memory so i'm trying to think back and i think just when I think about music, it it does play a really big role. And not just because I like listening to music, but I think a big role because when I was growing up, um, I moved a lot. Um, and, and, and I think I lived in many different homes. And music was definitely one constant thing as I moved from home to home. Mm. That really kind of kept me connected in some way. And, and then when I finally moved to Canada with my parents, you know, they fought a lot. So music really became this like shelter, the safety really for me to be, to transport me to a place where I can feel safe, like, and, and I can really listen to something I can relate to, or that can really like embody all my emotions, um, and also block out all the sounds at home. Um, especially when my parents are fighting, 
And so for me, it just means a lot. It feels like it's really protecting mm. for me. And so that's why I think music has always played a big role. And I just remember like with my Walkman and my Discman <laughs> and just like listening to music, it really, I think, transported me to this different world where I could be heard, um, where I could be almost seen also when people sing songs that I feel really connected to. I think one of the artists I've loved for, loved for a long, long time is, um, I mean, going back to R&B and hip hop, um, is Lauryn Hill. Oh. I love, yes. love Lauryn Hill. There's something about like her words. So good. Even though I can't rap, I just really will always want to just like, her lyrics was something I really, I realized mm. pay attention to and, and the beat of it. Um, it felt so soulful. It felt so true. I felt like when I listen to her music, I just want to move my body. And I think that for me is a big part of also music. It's very an embodied experience for me. And then over the years, you know, I've taken hip hop dance class, which is always really fun. So like, you know, Beyonce, obviously it's on the playlist <laughs> for that. But I think that's why music like both like protects me, but also really like moves me, literally help me to get up from my seat and, and to be able to, yeah, be in my body mm-hmm. and move <laughs> and just dance. <laughs> yeah. So it feels very liberating. Yeah, and it's actually so countercultural, hey? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we've talked about embodiment before, but, like, music is one of those things that can really move you to be in your body in a way mm-hmm. that yes. we're not taught to do. And often it's even, like, it's not safe to do or there's this understanding in society that you need to be inebriated in order to, like, dance at a club or, you know, whatever it is, but then if you just get some good music on, mm-hmm. just be in your body. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Totally. Yeah. Kitchen kitchen dance parties, mm-hmm. whether alone or with someone, like some yeah. of the best. Yes. Know, <laughs> so good. To experience music, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Celine, what about you? Did you have a moment? Or several mm-hmm. moments? I mean, I think there are, yeah, several. I think one more recent one was like when I first heard Mitski, um, who's an Asian American artist. She has one song that's My Best American Girl, I think it's called, but the music videos, she does like very raw kind of like punk singer song, but also like punk influenced, I would say, music. Mm-hmm. So just like the raw emotion really gets me, I think, but coming especially from her, her and her voice. And this one song, the music video is like, you know, she's intrigued in this person, this this guy, and then there's a connection, and then this, like, very blonde, very, like, you know, American, like, ideal of beauty kind of, like, interrupts, and, like, and then it becomes this, like, she's just kind of forced to watch this, like, couple, like, becoming, like, obnoxiously, like, making out obnoxiously, and she's kind of, like, singing this angsty anthem. <laughs> but it's really about like what is yeah what's an American girl and like Mm. what is um how that's kind of idolized and idealized yeah I think like that was definitely a moment Mm. of of kind of recognition in that music video and listening to her like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) I felt these feelings (laughs) yeah um interesting enough just as you were saying I was thinking about yeah music videos and you know things that I was listening to and as I've named all the artists I just have talked about, I, I realized I, a lot of, I mean, I actually, I'm trying to think back, 
I don't think I really did see myself as in like I don't really know even that many Asian artists.、Mm-hmm. So even though I'm watching all these great music videos and he listens to all the songs, a lot of them are actually black musicians, which I love. But I actually don't know now that I'm trying to actually think about it. Like I, I don't think I really saw myself. There's actually very few Asian musicians、mm-hmm. I know, and that's something you know I definitely want to. See, because music is representation, so and that's power. And so, how do I see myself? And so, you know, one of my really dear friends,、um, Sanya Gibbs, she also does the music for our podcast.、Um, she also has been a guest, but she's actually one of the few like Asian musician.、Um, she's Korean American that I listen to and listen to her songs. She's a singer songwriter,、um, which is incredible. But I also realized that. That's very. There's very little、mm-hmm. actually Asianness in my music playlist right now, and I need to change that. I need、yeah. to listen to more and see myself in some of these music and videos. Yeah, I definitely. I also am the same. I basically listen mostly to black artists, and then if they're not black, they're at least queer. <laughs> <Yeah> . Um, but brown, like、yeah. my theory is that. Like there has just been more. the The thing that I love about the artists that I listen to is that they are quite political in the stuff that they create、mm-hmm. and the stuff that they put out into the world.、Um, and so you can listen to an album and you can like, kind of figure out what's going on in the world based on what、mm-hmm. their music、yes. is about.、Yes. Um, so like for example, like Beyonce's most recent creation, like her album that she created with a whole bunch of other black artists. In connection to the Lion King movie, that album, The Gift, it's like a love letter to Africa. It is a celebration of blackness and royalty, and kind of like this beautiful thing that she's created. And you can look back in the history and be like, oh yeah, like this is a direct reflection of kind of like the movement of the Black Lives Matter movement and other things that are happening in in North America. And I feel like for Asian artists, we like we just haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> like, there are artists that are putting stuff out, and maybe we just haven't found them. Like, maybe we need to look harder. But from the stuff that I've heard, like I haven't found any Asian artists who are like saying the things that I want them to be saying about like stuff that's happening in the world yet. I don't know. Like, I feel like that is kind of what we've seen is like even. The pandemic highlighting anti-Asian racism, like、mm-hmm. it feels like we as a generation of people,、um, I think especially like Asians in North America, we're just kind of waking up to to all of these really really big issues for ourselves, and I'm really looking forward to like the next generation. What are they going to be able to create from like this arousal to reality that we're in right now? Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I think we don't have the same consciousness. Yeah, consciousness.、Um, yeah, and we have like the people we can learn from, right? Because、mm-hmm. like, black folks have always been the forefront of、yeah. like what's a different real, like what's a different vision、mm-hmm. that doesn't center whiteness, that's antithetical to white supremacy. But I think Asians are figuring out what Asianness looks like、mm-hmm. in that same way, rather than like being absorbed into or trying to assimilate into whiteness in、mm-hmm. music as well as other things. It's like、yep. how can we create our own. Yeah, consciousness, and which I think, I think is happening. It's just yeah. yeah, like one of the other moments I was going to talk about was very recent, which is the Linda Lindas like watching yeah. the video、oh, of them yes. singing、oh, so、with、great. such anger and、yep. such power、so、about、good. racist, sexist boys,、yes. and like 
like oh like that is such a beautiful vision of like what our future could be you know as like artists making art on our own terms which I think is another powerful part of music right it's not just it's not just about representation being seen by others but it's also about um, voice and subjectivity being Mm -hmm. able to be like I am the Mm -hmm. subject not the object Mm -hmm. and I'm going to sing or I'm going to present art through my experience Mm -hmm. on my own terms and I mean there's of course all the trappings of like the music industry Mm -hmm. which is very capitalist and like all the other things but there's still power in the, the actual voicing and creating of the art, I yes. think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I remember I, when I first saw that music videos, for those who don't know, it's um, how many, is it like four of them in this band? I think it's four of them. Four of them in this band, and they recorded... Number three. They recorded at a public, public library, library, which yeah. is also amazing. Yeah, and they were just like, that was the most like emotional, like freeing music video, watching them just singing and, you know, they're playing the really the drums and there's like the lyrics. It's so simple in some way, but it's so on point. Yep. There is like no sugarcoating. It's like sexist, racist boys, right? Like, and that even for me listening to that, that was like super empowering. And mm-hmm. just also like, as you're talking about anti-Asian, racism this year just like for us as Asians to be actually not silent right mm-hmm. to you know adhere to the Asian model minority but to actually speak out and like these group of young folks that's what they were doing they were singing it and they were just saying nope you know we we don't have to deal with all the sexist and racism um and this is this is what we're gonna do about it. we're gonna sing and we're gonna make this music video and they got like thousands of hits and you know so many people around the world mm-hmm. are watching them so that for me is really inspiring me and a reminder for us to to use our voice, yeah. right? To tell our own stories through lyrics, through songs. And a lot of it is like time, right? Like if you think about the Linda Lindas, what are they? Are they still in high school? Yes. They're like junior high. I like think they're, 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 like they're, high. Young. they're young. So if you think about like, I don't know, 15, these 15 year old young folks and like the the truth and clarity that they are able to articulate like, I don't think that it was would have been possible a yes. generation ago. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just so beautiful. I love yeah. it so much. There's lots of so many, there's so many good things about the next generation, I think. Yes. And like what their, what their birthright is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not just Asian, but just in general. Yeah. Like they're, they just, they know a lot of what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk more about conscious consumption, which Maria is very passionate about. I am. It's something that I've been thinking about. <laughs> a lot lately so basically my theory which I'm pretty sure is correct (laughs) is that like obviously the stuff that you consume and the stuff that you listen to shapes your ideas ideologies your understanding of the world so if you are wanting to be really conscious about dismantling white supremacy dismantling the patriarchy working against like internalized or not internalized homophobia and transphobia like part of that work is also being really conscious of the stuff that you're consuming in like the media world and so like one thing that I I've already mentioned this but I'm basically not listening to anyone white right now and part of that has to do with my own like personal angst and where I'm at in the world but also I think it really helps to like listen to people who have different life experiences than you to Mm -hmm understand 
diverse life experiences. There's, um, there's a midwife that I follow on Instagram who I've definitely mentioned before, Stephanie Mitchell. Um, and she does a live every Sunday called Sunday cervix, which I won't go into, (laughs) but she basically calls it black exposure therapy. And she's like, if you are not black and if like blackness or like any sort of like BIPOC stuff makes you uncomfortable or angry or just like negative feelings in general, you need to go into spaces on the internet or like in your own media and like you need to sit and listen to like black and BIPOC people Mm -hmm. and not say anything and just like do regular exposure until you are comfortable with it. Yeah. And I think that's a really good, I'm, I'm here for it. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And I think it is a consuming because it's like the music, music and the music industry is very consumerist, but I think Mm -hmm. it's also a form of like, we're talking about being fed, right? So it's like, it's being, choosing the food that we eat really. Mm -hmm. And like, is it same? Is it all the same? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it all like carbs? No. <laughs> is it all like white flour? No. <laughs> or like bleached sugar? You know where I'm getting with this. But I know like, where you're going. <laughs> give me those whole grains, you know? Yeah. And like diversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people like art transforms us, right? So whenever mm-hmm. we encounter art, whether it's music or other forms of art, we are transformed in some way. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... It doesn't, even those small, seemingly innocuous decisions about what to listen to in the background while you cook or something, like, Mm -hmm. that is part of, like, what is feeding and transforming you as a Mm -hmm. human and, like, or, like, even watering you, right, as we grow Mm -hmm, and continue to adapt and become more ourselves and become more, yeah, human, Mm -hmm, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is really important to be mindful about those choices, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes, and you literally can't fight it, right? Like... Whatever is going into your brain or into your ears, like, there is no argument that it will transform you somehow. Like, it's not a matter of, Mm. like, oh, I'm listening to this consciously and therefore it's going to transform me. It's like, nope, if it's around you, Mm. it will will shape who you are and how you think Mm -hmm. and how you are in the world. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I think part of that being aware is that even like I said when you're not even consciously thinking like when I listen to music especially really like repetitive or just like really (laughs) catchy tunes it the words just get into your head so literally it's like it's in you and and I think to be aware of how it consumes you and what you consume is so important in terms of like your your own personal growth but also like how you are with other people right Mm -hmm. and how you even see other people over time like the the music you're listening to and the lyrics that you're and you're singing along sometimes don't even know it really does shape how you see others and 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 how you show up yourself so yeah so important to to, and and i think on that note for me I'm also really consciously actually because I the nature of my work I work with a lot of women from around the world I actually really pay attention to world music that's Mm. something I'm trying to do more and that's also really important because I think a lot of music that you know when I wasn't really thinking about was very very western Mm -hmm. (laughs) very North American um, very American actually I'm also trying to listen to more Canadian music I think for me working with particularly a lot of newcomer refugee women from latin countries i've been listening to a lot of latin music which is incredible the beats the rhythm and even if i don't understand the lyrics to be to be surrounded by those music Mm -hmm. it's it's it really like it moves me it makes me think deeper about the culture and more understanding about even my relationship 
when I talk with these women, how music play a role in their life, in their culture, in their families. Mm -hmm. um, and also listening to Arabic music, which is also awesome. I've been listening to some of that too. And just like how much joy and, and fun and, and yeah. And I think it really does like represent, you know, the community um, and, and how they are with each other. And so that's something I'm trying to do, expand my, my consumption to world music and different culture. Mm -hmm. And that helps me to be also become a better human, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I find it really interesting how, like, this idea about consumption and transformation, like, if it is held in fear, it can keep you from things. So just, like, thinking back to my fundamentalist roots mm -hmm. and how, like, that that's... phase. phase and... <laughs> Whatever it was, it was something. But, like, how that idea of, like, music infiltrating one's self and that mm. that reality being held in fear and therefore like not listening to music the exact same idea now is being held in like empowerment and freedom and it's just used completely differently you know can you say more about that i'm not sure i know what you mean. this understanding that like what we consume transforms right. us mm -hmm. yeah. like as a fundamentalist 14 year old that idea kept me from listening oh, to music. So now you're like the opposite. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Not to make it a binary. It's a yeah. But now thing. it's like, oh yeah, like I want to be more political and I want to dismantle mm -hmm. all of these things and therefore I'm going to use this reality of transformational consumption to like do those things. Yeah. Right, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and the fear is often a form of purity culture, which totally. is part of white supremacy, yeah. right? It's about separation, right? Yes. Mm. The fear of contamination yes. is very kind of like a tenet of whiteness of how whiteness works mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah the more and I think it's so great music is so amazing because for people who might not have access to or maybe are able to be in a space that doesn't center whiteness music is one of the ways you can actually do that for mm -hmm. yourself right mm -hmm. it's like a form of encounter yeah so it's if you watch a music video and like fully immerse yourself in maybe a creator of color or like um, like I was thinking about Jeremy Dutcher's one music video, which is just like this really this decolonial love letter, like a decolonial vision of the world. And like that all happens and like through the music and through the, the visuals. Mm -hmm. um, it's really a, a window into a different way of being, a different world. Um, and that, yeah, that kind of encounter will always, yeah, will always change us and will always transform us. Mm -hmm. um, and if we don't, like relationships, you know, should do that as well. But mm -hmm. this is kind of a way to... Yeah, like you said, Maria, expose, expose ourselves to different ways of moving in the world, of seeing the world, of visioning different futures that are more, that are freer and more um, liberated and diverse in, in how many stories are allowed to be a part of, you know, what we think of as so-called normal or like just of being human. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love I love what you said to your Trixie about world music because mm -hmm. so often we're like, you know, stuck in this like yeah, Western music, English speaking music is yes. kind of this the pinnacle or like the the default as well. But it's like there's so many amazing international artists who are singing in also different languages, right? And that's yes. also a window into a different way, a different way of being. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite YouTube channels for music is Colors. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know I, this I know channel. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> This is where you get like music from all over and like probably 90% is like artists of color. Um, 
And a lot of it is in different languages, which mm. is cool. And the genres are really bendy and interesting mm-hmm. too, which I always love. And the videos are beautiful. <laughs> yes, so good. Yeah. But yeah, paying attention to the forms of forms of hegemony, forms of like, oh, sameness. Mm-hmm. It's enforced like Western music. Um, I think is also like very much like has to do with worship music and churches mm-hmm. <laughs> and like say more well there's so much <laughs> yeah just like the same forces are at work right like uh, white supremacy and capitalism and often american but also canadian like imperialism in that and exporting of the same same kind of music same kind of sound um all of, like white artists or like and like I would call like shallow theology, mm-hmm. um, like that's all kind of an industry, um, mm-hmm. which is, and also just like terrible music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think it's like so. there's there's also an added layer of morals being attached to the music that you listen to, right? Like because there is um, some level of theology that's included in a lot of this music, it then becomes like, oh, are you believing the right thing? quote unquote Mm -hmm. right thing and like how are you quote unquote living your life and like is the worship music or yeah i don't even know what to call it (laughs) i guess yeah we're talking about worship music right now like christian Mm -hmm. worship music i guess yeah like are you listening to what it's saying and then if you are like does that make you good or bad Mm. i think there's kind of this legalistic very binary way of understanding goodness or holiness that kind of like infiltrates yeah Mm -hmm. the christian music industry yeah it's moralizing it's very yeah individualistic Mm -hmm. there's there's no sense of like tradition or um roots of what a particular church or locality of a particular church yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think because i didn't grow up in a christian home but i mean i did go to christian school so you know it was played everywhere um Mm -hmm. and so one of the things i think that i always i was like something doesn't feel quite right i think sometimes you know when i listen to again some of the songs same songs same rhythms um it's a lot about like very self-centered it's all yeah. about me 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 which me, i'm like Jesus. yeah <laughs> and and i think there's some that something that oh always kind of like even singing you know when you have to like singing chapels i was like i don't love singing along to these songs i realized and then the other thing that i think really bothered me with some of these songs is just like i feel like it's so manipulating your emotions hells yeah <laughs> say it again for yeah. the people in the back oh man oh man this is me discovering like, ambient synth in the background yes. and then, like there's a prayer happening. yeah that still kind of triggers me like <laughs> yeah like i'm like oh why is it like yeah i don't like this yeah it's like there's about to be an altar call <laughs> yeah oh it's so mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think like that's really dangerous because then mm-hmm. you end up thinking that you are having this spiritual experience, which you might be like, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, that's between you and the divine and your community. But like it then, I think it almost then acts like a drug where like, if you are not getting that experience in the worship of the church that you're going to, you think either something is wrong or that like, you just don't fit there when, when actually it's like, oh no, you're just not being manipulated to like feel all of these really strong feelings mm-hmm. every single week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, going back to the whole diet analogy, it's like <laughs> sugar. Yeah. Or, you know, something that is totally, that keeps you coming back, but like, isn't good for you. Yeah. Not really. And doesn't 
feed you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, every once in a while, it's great. It's good to, like, have a good cry, feel the feels. I mean, but... I can't do it anymore. Like, <laughs> I know, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I go into a church and they play Hillsong, I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> also, I mean, part of my past. I was not quite as fundamental as you, Maria, but I did have a phase where I was in... Um, a pretty evangelical like worship band mm. like and not just like a band where we would play like for youth we play for youth but we also like traveled to conferences mm. and like played and like we played like almost all Hillsong songs yeah so, so yep. I'm, I'm done with that <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 I think part of that when you said that is because um when I think about both like my emotions but I think it's also the people around me right that pressure you're just saying you know mm-hmm. something if I don't feel it but then if I see like all my friends or you know like my classmates mm-hmm. are like you know lift their, their hands or you know just getting really emotional I'm like should I be feeling this way you know yeah. and that I think always felt like mm, something's not right I don't think this is what it means you know to really if I think really about worship now how I even think of it is so so different mm-hmm. Um, but it's also important to like it's not just us right it's like the people around us and yeah. the community around us and how it affects a whole group of people yeah and that's not to say that like worship doesn't make you emotional sometimes mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like I mean every single person is going to have kind of like their thing like for me Gregorian chant mm. in a monastery with some nuns that'll get me going almost every time yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's not actually the music that's doing it right it's like the it's the the monastic tradition and like the the aesthetic ex- experience mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. being in a really quiet place. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's like different. It's not manipulation, but it is emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's definitely the difference. Yeah, and I think too the idea that beauty, something that is beautiful and well crafted, is a form itself a form of worship. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. In that it is mm-hmm. reflecting the beauty and the creativity of the divine of God. So. Yeah. If it's shitty music, that is not, you know, it's not good worship. Like, if the music is, and I'm not saying it has to be, like, perfect, right? Like, I don't, like, Mm -hmm. I also have a trigger for, like, very produced worship or, like, Mm -hmm. services that are very produced. Because I'm like, there needs to be messiness to imperfection because, like, that's part of who we are too, right? Mm -hmm. But I just mean, like, if there's beauty in, if there's beauty and difference, lots of different music styles, liturgy, lyrics, Mm -hmm. like, that also is. Mm-hmm. it's really like you know you listen to some some worship music it's like like god is probably like stop stop singing like yeah, stop cr- like cringing really <laughs> you know like yeah it's like you're not even singing about me <laughs> you're singing about you yeah i think one of the biggest things for me is like when like Hillsong type. I mean, there's a lot of it, and I don't know the names of all these people because I like stay so far away from it. Yeah. But Trixie, you mentioned already like the individualisticness mm-hmm. of a lot of the songs that are used as worship songs, and how like that is just really bad theology, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, and it doesn't actually give us um, a good idea of who the divine is and who we are in relationship to the divine and who we are in relation to each other, and. Um, I think that's a big part of worship too, right? Like worship is glorifying and spending time with the divine and mirroring the divine and also being with each other in like 
corporate spaces mm-hmm. and like being in community with the divine with other people there's like you know webs of mm-hmm. um, relationships that happen and worship is a part of that but if the stuff that you're singing doesn't reflect the reality of like community and like what corporate worship does you're like missing such a huge chunk of the beauty of what worship can do mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i'm not here for it mm-hmm. yeah amen sister I got no it's patience like for it it's a collective memory right yeah it's remembering mm-hmm. things like who you are as a community who god is who and who the ancestors and saints who came before us are you totally know? Mm-hmm. so it's it's a very important powerful part I think about craft and not just in services but Mm -hmm. any kind of community that sings together yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then that theology carries forward right like if you have really individualistic worship worship music your theology in general is going to be like very much about my personal relationship with Jesus Christ which is all fine and good (laughs) except like I I would argue (laughs) that our job as Christians is to like bring the kingdom of God here now and like you do that in community and you can't like having a personal relationship with the divine is great but if nothing corporate and communal comes from that it's it's dead yeah Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. no fruits being born no fruits dead vines we chopped off yeah (laughs) christian christian jokes yeah yeah (laughs) i would be really curious to hear about um what worship music is actually like encouraging and what's the good shit um yeah yeah, i think we we're coming to end of the episode that would be a good way to transition into yeah what are the alternative worlds possibilities that Mm -hmm. exist to us um and by alternative i mean like from kind of the status quo and the norm (laughs) not like actually you know these worlds already exist yeah (laughs) these worlds already exist which is part of my my issue with like there's so much out there, right? Yeah. Like, anyways. Actually, actually, bit of a side, but I've been reading a lot of James Cohn, and he actually writes a lot about, um, yeah, the Black Christian tradition in relation to its lived theology, but also the music. Um, mm-hmm. But also he talks about, like, jazz and other types of music as well uh, mm-hmm. as being all part of that. But it's, like, to me, that's the heart of, like, if we're looking at, if we understand... God moving in us, in our communities, in history, like, for the marginalized and the oppressed, and, like, that to me is the point. Like, mm-hmm, <laughs> that's why I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then, like, why wouldn't we honor the lineage of, like, Black Christianity, which is really, that's what that whole tradition is. Like, that is, to me, like, the most true form in a way, right? Yes. I mean, there's, there are other forms, too, mm-hmm. but, but there's no... So often it's not even part of, like, churches that are not Black, like, mm-hmm. of their um, vocabulary, of their, like, worship vocabulary, or of their liturgies mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. Yes, yep. <laughs> Preach it. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, Maria, earlier, if you're not comfortable listening to it, you need to be in it. You need to be in those spaces yeah. and listen to the music that really ties you back, you know, through different generations, through different communities that's outside your own. Yeah, I think I, I, I feel like I've been trying, I mean, I haven't been, I guess, even still continuing struggling, like what is worship music, but really trying to pay attention to, I think, people of faith who are singing 
um, and and really listening to their lyrics and the stories they're really telling and what they're saying about um, their relationship with their community, their relationship with God, with each other. Those are kind of the music I feel like I'm trying to pay more attention mm-hmm. to. For me, that would be something that you know I want to be more embody, more experience in it and and not be just like have my emotion just be manipulated i think i'm really aware of that but also to let myself feel the music when i do um in a you know way that feels true that feels real that feels vulnerable mm-hmm. and that you know whether i'm on my own or in community that feels that this is part of my my faith and my growth and my journey so yeah being aware of how the music as we um, have talked through this whole episode how it you know what consumes us and what transforms us mm-hmm. is really important do you have artists that you want to like yeah um i've been listening to well i mean i know i said sonia already but for sure she's a singer songwriter and um she writes her own song so i've been listening to a lot of that um i've also been listening to oh i forgot his name oh you were telling us about him I forget as well. Sorry. Oh, PJ, PJ Morton. Sorry. <laughs> Came back to me. Um, PJ Morton, uh, a black singer songwriter. Um, and he is incredible. I think he has kind of gone through different genres from pop to now, like he just released this gospel album and just a lot, a lot of acoustics. Also, I, I love it so much because I was like, wow, I can listen. And there's definitely also R and B in it, which I'm like, yay, hip hop R and B in this, um, which is also newer to me, like, you know, Christian music is hip-hop R&B. There's a lot of that is very liberating listening to him. Um, and also, he also invites a lot of actually other guest singers to join him. And that's also really awesome for me to discover other artists. They're singing from a place of faith, but they're not necessarily like quote-unquote Christian songs. But, you know, they're singing who they are and how they see the world. So that's something I'm trying to listen to. So, yeah, PJ Morton. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. You, Maria, who have you been listening to? Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll repeat a few. I know. <laughs> um, so I'll say Joy Oladikun, specifically, like, not her, her entire album is great in defense of my own happiness. But some of her songs in particular, like Jordan, Judas, Sunday, like, they, they speak very clearly to kind of, like, the experiences of being queer in the church and I have found great comfort listening to those on repeat (laughs) I'll also I think I mentioned him before but Shad Mm -hmm. he's a Christian Canadian hip-hop artist I remember um he was part of our community here in Vancouver before he moved back to Toronto um and I remember meeting him for the first time over soup and he said something like, I'm a musician or I'm a music artist. And me being like my little fundamentalist self, oh. little teenager. I was like, oh, what instrument do you what play? <laughs> and he was like, oh, no, I'm actually a rapper. And that just blew my mind because we were in a church building and I just didn't know that those two things <laughs> could fit together. But his music is really great. And I also like if I want to listen to like more worshipy worship music, um, I really enjoyed the Porter's Gate, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you can find on Spotify. I don't know where else you can find them, but they are a group of artists who have put together some really beautiful, like liturgical, I would say like very theologically sound mm-hmm. <laughs> music. That's just, yes. just beautiful to listen to. And I think they have had, they were pretty white, um, but I think that in terms of how they were led and formed, I think, but mm-hmm. 
I think they had a bit of a waking up moment after George Floyd and they put out two albums, Justice Songs and Lament Songs, that mm-hmm. were like also still liturgical, thoughtful, grounded yeah. music, but like very much more applying that theology. Yes. And like I find those two albums really so good. Some of my favorite like sacred music in the sense of like being about about God or mm-hmm. being about um, the character of God. So yeah, both great. I was going to mention those. Yeah. We should definitely make a playlist, y'all. We should make we a will, playlist. We will post a playlist up. Yeah. So also, like coloring book, music. Chance the mm. Rapper. That is to me oh, yeah. so good. It's a worship album. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's all about. To me, it feels very much about like centering Black joy, which mm-hmm. is yeah. like this beautiful, um, yeah. yeah, visionary and to the church, I think prophetic mm-hmm. um, thing to do. So. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so good. Yeah. I feel like you could even listen to like. The Miseducation of Lauren Hill mm-hmm. also is quite, like, in touch with the divine. Like, yes. many, many of those tracks are just, oh, they're so good. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much music. All these amazing music definitely will transform us. Mm-hmm. So go out there and listen to these tunes, folks. Yes. And buy, the, buy, if it's a contemporary musician, like, and you can afford it, like, buy their music. Buy their music yes. And stream it. Yeah. I'm trying to practice this myself. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Support local artists also. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also, maybe I'll just quickly shout out some, like, of my, the Asian artists that came to mind because we were talking mm-hmm. before yes. about that Asian music and, like, that informing the art. Yes. Um, someone I actually had a class with in university, Foon Yap. Um, Another moment of recognition, I think, for me was seeing her. She would sing kind of like metal-influenced folk indie music. So there's like very like interesting combinations that she's pulling together. I think it's a lot about contrast and contradiction. But um, hearing, so she used to be part of a band called Funyap and the Roar. I don't know if she still is. I think she's doing her own thing now. But she would literally roar like, mm. and I just remember seeing her and being like, "Whoa, <laughs> you can do that!" So I went to one of her shows. So. I would check her out and then also Holy Hum, um, who used to be a Vancouver-based artist, uh, I think is now in New York, but like really beautiful, like sonic artwork really, um, and soundscapes and like kind of electronic and um, post-rock influenced music. Mm. Thank you for that. I'm... I have the album, but my vinyl, like my record player is currently broken, so I haven't listened to it yet. And I'm just like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to experience this <laughs> Well, please invite me over so we can listen to it together. Yeah. It's the type of album where I think you just need to like lay down and just mm. listen to the whole thing. <laughs> Resetting the Table is produced by Emma Renarts, and intro music is by Sonia and Paul Gibbs. If you like this podcast, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash resetting the table. We think it's really important to amplify voices of color, and we hope you do too. Even a little bit helps us sustain the podcast. Big thanks to everyone who's already part of the Patreon community. We love you and appreciate your support. We would love to hear from you, so you can leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash resetting the table, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so others can find the show. You can also find us on Instagram at re.settingthetable. For now, doxia. Thanks, and see you soon.